Gaming on the Frontier. This is Bruce. This is Trav. And this is Jonathan. Welcome to Gaming on the Frontier, your podcast of getting together with your friends and not saving the world, but maybe making, you know, uh, getting rid of that really, you know, bad person who, who, who runs the pawn shop down the street. Just run around being your friendly neighborhood beetle man. JJ, don't let him hear you say that. Not without pictures, right? Gotta have the pictures. Right. Welcome to Gaming on the Frontier. This week we are talking about street-level superheroes and, uh, you know, what that means, uh, what kind of campaigns, you know, would be fun to run with them, and what are the, uh, the, the, the yeses and nos for that sort of thing. Now... We're we're kind of you know uh, we're we're not going to go as formally as we did with the how to create a new magic system because that was you know we we really try to like you know ring the bells on that one but we're you know I noticed that you know there's a lot of superheroes out there you know there's you know the Wakanda Forever you know the whole Marvel Superman Batman things like that and but none of those would what be what we would I myself would consider street level superheroes. I do think probably the best, well, some of the Watchmen would be considered street-level superheroes, like Rorschach, Night Owl. Um, well, really, really uh, the, the uh, comedian, he doesn't have yeah. tremendous powers. Right, yeah. Those yeah. type of would be considered yeah. street-level superheroes. He just hooked himself up with special forces so he basically can get all the fun toys and well, and, yeah. and, uh, and and the permission to do whatever he wants to do. Yeah. So, yeah. Well, Jonathan, do you have a definition for a street-level superhero? Uh, I mean, it's kind of in the name. They, typically, their adventures happen on the city streets. That They're not going off and fighting these great space battles and... They're usually not uh, taking on hordes of, of enemies on a front line battlefield or anything like that. They're not, go- they're not tra- time traveling? <laughs> usually not, although you can maybe have some small time escapades for a street-level hero. But it's, it's mostly, as we, I kind of alluded, we kind of alluded to it the first, like Spider-Man. Most of his adventures are on the streets of New York City. And rarely i mean even because he's so popular he does get roped into the more cosmic level adventures mm-hmm. when you compare his powers to say mr fantastic or superman or any of these other high level or the x-men or the x-men his powers are fairly minor he can walk on walls and he has a spidey sense well the spidey sense i think is his most it is his greatest power yeah, I, I also I agree because he also has like enhanced strength and reflexes. As oh well yeah, he has a, he, he's basically he has a ton. That's why in some ways he, he shouldn't be a street level superhero 
you know, because he has so many abilities. Power ranking wise, I'd agree. Yeah, he definitely has. He is definitely stronger than, say, Punisher. Yeah. But his personality, I think, and his appeal is the fact that he still is the friendly neighborhood Spider-Man. He still typically focuses on the streets of New York City. Right. Well, he's he's the friendly neighborhood. He's he cares about the neighborhood and, and improving their lot. He doesn't really worry about international politics yeah. or interstellar, you know, You're politics. Right. Unless of course he gets roped into it like they like the various comic books have done where they literally like, you know, you, you, they've had a couple of comic book series where literally you go to the, the comic book and, and right in the middle of the, the normal storyline, suddenly they turn a corner and there's a whole bunch of, you know, the scrolls. scrolls, scrolls. Yeah. There's a squad of scrolls there. And so he gets into it with them and, you know, it, it leaves them roped up for the government to, to, to sort out and he continues on his way. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, that's, but normally he, he goes on to what he, he does, you know, it is, and, and, and there's a whole bunch of them that are considered street level, you know, uh, Daredevil. Yeah, that was one I was thinking of. Dazzler is is one I think really, and, and it's it's interesting because they, uh, if you've read the comic series, you know, Dazzler was very street level, and then all of a sudden she gets snatched up, and you know by um, uh, one of the Inhumans from the Moon. Yeah. Because there's something that, that's in a black hole and they need her to fetch it or something. I can't, can't remember the details. Okay, She's like, how am I supposed to survive in a black hole? He says, well, this guy right here, if he opens his mouth like cottonous shatter and stuff like that, oh, you, have the, yeah. you have the ability to absorb sound. So he's basically going to direct that to you. You're going to take that and turn it into light. And that's going to create enough pressure to counteract the pull of the black hole. So you can go in and do this. And I'm like going, holy, <laughs> I mean, yeah. you just grabbing this poor girl off the streets and saying, yeah, we're just going to like soup you up and burn you out. And, you know, because this is, because of this, and you know, she's like it, at the end of which she has she doesn't have any of the superpower that she had with that adventure. She's back to like you know as much transformational mat, um, uh, light ability she had by using that big boombox she carries around when she goes rollerblading. Yeah. So, <laughs> so she was definitely a, you know it, it's good that it shows that sometimes low level street heroes can go can can rise up, which is what I really think they did with Spider Man because he really you know he, he shouldn't have been there with the, with with the Avengers, but you know he he was, and uh, shame on Tony Stark for uh, for doing that. You know, yeah, that's one of the reasons he felt so guilty was because yeah. you know he he essentially you know got this. Little boy, this 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 very wholesome teenage boy killed, <laughs> or yeah. whatever you want to call getting snapped. I would say that you know that uh, to be street level, there are some inherent limitations that, uh, to your abilities that says, <coughs> without some really extreme um, uh, buffing, let us say, uh, you're not going to be able to handle threats of, of above a certain amount of, of difficulty. You know? Yeah, so you you would essentially be like a, a superhero would be like somebody who's name level in D and D but isn't epic level. 
I mean, it's, it's hard mm. to use D and D as an example because everybody's right. yeah. got superpowers, right? You know, because right. you got mages, you got clerics, you got fighters who can do ridiculous things, or they have magic weapons that can do ridiculous things. So, yeah. But I'm just saying though, is that when you think about the power level, first level fighter, he's having trouble with orcs. Okay, tenth level fighter, he's ha you know he's he can take down an adult red dragon. Not ancient, maybe, but but an adult red dragon by himself. So yeah, pretty yeah. pretty mm, okay. puissant, you know, is what I'm trying to say. So okay, um, so yeah, we like I said, uh, Trav, you have any uh, more things you want to say about what makes a a uh, uh, a, a street level superhero? Uh, if you're going to have powers, yeah, they're going to be low. I'm currently running a street level pulp campaign on my Saturday night game. And it's got Fur, Jeff DeRef, Breakman Z, Goth Bunny, and our friend Jen from New Orleans. And these are all low-leveled people. They deal with crime in New York City. That's kind of it. They may travel, but in the end, that none of the, I mean, if there's superpowers, they're light, they're nothing earth-shattering. Uh, Jen is playing Aroma, and if you know what the Romani, I'm not going to use the typical name for him because it's a slur. Um, and she's got like light mental powers and she's working to do the thing like the shadow can do. It's it's a mindset. It's a matter of scale. Yeah, that's pretty much the best way to describe street level superheroes. You're not going out dealing with. Batman, when he first started in the 30s, was considered a street-level superhero. He had no massive powers. He just outsmarted and out-knuckled his opponents. He may have had a few gadgets back in the day, but yeah, there was nothing incredibly colossally powerful about this hero. The Shadow, the Avenger, yeah. Right, there's a 1934 Batman film that essentially you could uh, use as a reference for that sort of thing. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. He spends a lot of time with Robin basically punching, getting into punch-out fights. Yeah. Slugfest is what uh, a, uh, a certain Marvel uh, editor would say. Yeah. But, yeah, with this campaign I'm running, yeah, I mean, Z's playing a vampire, but even then he's got, you know, some powers, but nothing ungodly huge it's okay i can do the mind control you know and a lot of them would seem like parlor tricks but we're not talking anything like okay he can fly at supersonic speeds or a, a cannon shell will bounce off his chest without heart no he can still be harmed and yeah i it, it it's actually kind of a thing for me because i'm having to tone down what i would normally want in a superhero game <laughs> That's for the Thursday night game. But yeah, no, street-level superheroes, yeah, it's a matter of scale and focus on how big the microcosm is that they deal with it. So to me, okay, a couple of things that would, uh, you know, that, that are part of, of, use, you know, of why we would want to do a campaign for low-level superheroes is, one is, is that, you know, uh, you're more likely to encounter them if you're not a super yourself. So they, they have yeah. more involvement at the at, at the street level, the common people, the police, whatever. You know, you 
the ones that are you know that are designed to, to you know, to go up against threats against you know the nation or against the world or whatever you know they deal with special forces they deal with politicians they deal with you know you know beings from other worlds you know or that are allies and stuff like that they don't talk to the regular folk you know the, the regular folk are just like please stay out of the way you know so you don't get hurt you know but a low level yep. superhero you know the uh, you know the, you may be intimately uh, involved uh, with uh, uh, with regular people. You know, and by intimately, I'm I mean they could be a spouse. They could be your neighbor, your friend from down the block. Could be the uh, could be the cop. You know, who actually or a detective who feeds you information, allows you to do your work. Okay, they could be uh, a minister who uh, is able to, you know, uh, uh, he knows things because people tell him things, you know, is those, you know, one of the, the big benefits over the years of having, you know, Catholic, you know, uh, men, uh, priests is the fact is that bad guys would tell them things and they couldn't say exactly what it was that they knew, but sometimes they could direct the superheroes to a part of town where they might see something. You know, they might do some good. So, you know, you, you had people involved in your stories that were regular folk. And, uh, and you, I don't think you get that on the higher levels. I mean, do you have a favorite, uh, you know, street level, uh, you know, uh, non, uh, non super that, uh, that that people get, you know, that the the, the, the heroes get involved with? Uh, the the if we're talking about a non super street level hero, the the one that no comes no, to no a non a non a non super NPC is what I'm saying. This part oh. of the campaign. Do oh, you have what? a favorite that you like to use or? That you have used in the past? Uh, kind of my favorite is um, the newspaper vendor. Okay. Because they're usually in the same space. They're, and they see all the news coming through. They're, I usually have them be an older uh, gentleman. Uh, the, the best uh, example I can think of is from... Um, Oh, who was the actor? Not I can't remember the actor's name off the top of my head. I want to say I want to say Bernard Cribbins, but I'm not sure if that was his name. But he played uh, Donna Noble's father in Doctor Who. Yeah, Bernard Cribbins. He played Wilford Mott, Doctor yeah. Who. Yeah, Donna Noble's grandfather. Yes, yes. Yeah, that kind of he's aware of you know that there's things going on, but he has a humble little job that puts him out on on the street he sees things he hears things and he's kind of one of those invisible characters you know he's he's a newspaper vendor who who cares about that guy but he's always there to give advice to the hero kind of in that same way as that priest you know he hears things he sees things of course usually you want to use him in a more rough and tumble town because a, a town that's all nice and pretty He's not going to hear anything. He's he's selling newspapers, but well, you know, would you need superheroes in that kind of a nice town? Yeah. Okay. Trav, do you do you have a particular uh, character that comes to mind as a uh, uh, as a 
non-super NPC that gets involved with the supers? Lois Lane? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it, yeah, she's a reporter. Okay. Other than oh, be, yeah. having an analytical investigative mind, she is 100% totally human. Yet, she is the one who is, you know, called Superman's girlfriend because she gets all the exclusives. She knows all this stuff about, you know, all this type of heroics because she deals with Superman and follows his exploits. And this is even before, you know, they got married and this and that. Even back in the day when it was, you know, she didn't know who was who. She still, because she followed all of these types of things, she was privy to things that went on with this mysterious visitor from another world who protects Metropolis. So, oh, yeah. yeah, the intrepid reporter. I mean, because let's... Yes. Let's not just Lois Lane. You also had... um, uh, Who was it for Batman? It was uh, Vicky, Vicky Vale. And you Tim also Bastard's had... character. Yeah, you had April O'Neil for the Turtles. Yeah. That's who I always thought of. Yeah. So and I you, think intrepid reporter would be another good archetype yeah. for that, besides newspaper vendor. Yeah. My my favorite was always the sewer worker. Oh, like Ed Norton from the Honeymooners, yeah. Norton, e- exactly. No, really, because yeah. uh, because the supers were always trying to get in someplace, and if they didn't have the ability to fly in or something like that, then it was just how do we get past the you know get into this place unseen? And the guy that basically had been forty years working doing the sewers in the city, and he knew all the ones that you could go through, and and uh, or he could he could just he could fake a work pass and say yeah yeah the, the toilets are backing up in the executive washroom. You really don't want to wait till 9 o'clock in the morning to deal with this when the office opens. <laughs> and, you know, <laughs> and so he, he says, I'm sending my boys in. You, he says, you going to stop them? And they're all like, no, I guess not. All right, then. I'll be out in the van. <laughs> Goes back and gets back in the van. <laughs> Possibly drives off. You know, it just depends on how mobile the uh, superheroes are, you know. Yeah. But I, lo- I always like that guy because, you know, he's he's gritty, literally. Uh, and yeah. He's, uh, but he's, you know, he's he's basically rising. Uh, see, all these jokes having to do with the sewers. He's rising to the occasion. Uh, yeah. He's, yeah. You know, he knows which way the wind is blowing. You know, he's... <laughs> <laughs> oh, I think I broke Trav. <laughs> <laughs> Well, Any, anyways, so you know, I'm just saying, I like that guy. Okay, but um, you know, the uh, also is is that you know when you have a um, a low level superhero villain kind of scenario, okay, the street level superheroes, they you know, if they manage to take out a group of thugs or even a, another low level supervillain, okay, that's a big deal. I mean, they really accomplished something, okay? When you have these higher-level superheroes, you got to have these huge protracted battles. You know, you got, you know, all kinds of, you know, uh, massive damage to the city. You know, it's just, you know, I mean, some of the stuff is, is literally ridiculous how much damage goes on and everyone just kind of goes, ah. You know, the, the low-level superheroes can't do that kind of damage, you know. At the most, you might have a shot-up storefront. Yeah. Or 
bullet marks all up and down an alley. Right, or, you right. Know. Yeah, you don't have the ocean nightmare that happens yeah. when when um, uh, oh gosh, I'm trying to remember the name of it. Um, Axe is it Axis um, uh, Chemical Factory blows up in the in in, in the Keaton Batman film. Oh yeah, yeah, I think so. Yeah, I mean, can you imagine the the the, the toxic <laughs> cloud that resulted yeah. from that, and nobody says a word about that? Yeah. yeah so well, I, I love I love the one meme that says, "Yeah, Batman has all these villains. He doesn't they, Gotham City doesn't need Batman. They need OSHA." Yeah, all these villains seem to happen <laughs> due to industrial accidents. Yeah, uh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, you you're not wrong. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's you know, and, and and of course the joke from, uh, uh, from Big Bang Theory. He's just he's just a one lab accident away from being a one super accident villain. away from super real. Yeah, 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 exactly. <laughs> you know, when when you have like a government, and and I'm saying this is that you know when players are getting together playing, they've got these these really powerful abilities, and they want to show them off. So the GM has to create these really impressive scenarios for them to do that. So you know, I'm just saying it's it's, it's a little harder to uh, uh, wow the the players without really big, you know, tentpole type, uh, you know, super special effect kind of things going off, you know. And uh, but w when you play street level, you know, somebody who does some some you know crackling energy, you know, between his hands and and and, and takes out a, a power transformer up on a pole, you know, showering everybody with hot. You know, uh, 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 you know, sparks. Bur yeah. burning sparks from from metal and things like that. That's that's a big deal. Everyone's like, oh, you know, intimidation factor. You know, that's the, the, the you don't get that without somebody like you know, boom, boom in the sky yeah. for the, these these higher level uh, superheroes. So yeah, so you get to basically do stuff that is impressive without having to take out half the city to do so. Which I've always think is, you know, has been one of the problems with the latest Batman's. This is, I mean, well, the last Batman film, not including the one that just just happened, you know, uh, uh, the 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 Nolan films. Okay, a nuke. He has to stop a nuke from going <laughs> yeah, off in yeah. Gotham City. Okay, yeah. I mean, that's yeah. some serious stuff there. Okay, <laughs> so. yeah. I think uh, to me the the best descriptor of the level of crime you're dealing with even though it's not a superhero show i think it's a good example is uh burn noticed the first few seasons of that at least where he's you know he's this top flight world-class super spy but he's stuck in miami and so he having nothing else to do he just basically pulls a, a, an a team in miami just helping the little people of Miami deal with con artists and gangs and and things like that. Right. Yeah. And and you don't. I mean, and even though his his talents are being wasted, you know, you you it's it's still you, you know you can see he's he's uh, working it. You know. Mm -hmm. And uh, but yeah, it's 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 amusing. And in, in that case, it's amusing to see again this world class operative handling street thugs but then again it is kind of not his usual element because he's used to dealing with other professional spies and government agents and these are just street thugs it's 
he can take care of him, but he does have to – you can kind of see sometimes he has to alter his approach from what he's used to and go, okay, well, normally how I would handle a gorilla, you know, criminal element in a foreign country is doing this. So let me – okay, I don't have my usual toys. All right, let me jury-rig something. <laughs> right. And, of course, when we're talking uh, street-level superheroes, you might be dealing with an actual gorilla. <laughs> yeah. Yep, yep. Okay. Yeah. I I just realized a a really good example for street level superheroes that's relatively recent, the Marvel Netflix shows, yeah. Daredevil, Luke Cage, Jessica Jones, Iron Fist, Punisher, and them them together as the Defenders. Yeah, they have powers. Nothing earth shattering. One one or two might be bulletproof. Two are really good at martial arts. One has enhanced senses. And then the Punisher is just exceedingly well-trained and, you know, exceedingly brutal in his methods. But yeah, nothing earth-shattering, but you do know that in one way or another, they are all above normal. Right, right, yeah. They, and they and, and and yes, the, the, the term street level was, was, was almost coined for those people. Yeah, yeah. sure, sure. Uh, you know, and, but, you know, and, and a couple other things about, you know, what you get with low-level superheroes and villains and stuff like that is that, you know, when when you're dealing with creators that are, you know, uh, villains or heroes that are, like you say, the epic level class, basically their powers are known. You know, they, they, they you know, some agency has, you know, spent the money to figure out what they are and what they can do and things like that. And, and rarely do you see, you know, them exhibiting a brand new power or even a brand new variation on a power. Uh, an exception for that would be Sue Storm because they, they really evolved Sue over, over the years. But the rest of them, you know, the, uh, I mean... You know, you knew you knew that uh, uh, Stretcho, you know, was uh, he, he, yeah. Other than the big brain, his ability was to basically stretch. Okay, you know, and uh, and we got got Ben Grimm clobbering time. Okay, and he basically, no matter what happens, he can stand up to it and just keep on clobbering. And then uh, and then Johnny, you know, other than flying and the fact that he is on fire, he's got that Nova blast. Yeah. So I'm just saying is that you didn't see a whole lot of evolution of them. You just basically sent them against new and and more interesting foes. Okay. Sue, yeah. however, who started off as simply being invisible, then later on started exhibiting like you know so for, force field force yeah. field stuff and other things like that. So you know that that was some evolution that happened there. Okay. But you know um, in the X Men. Okay, most of them didn't, you know, they, they never, they just did certain things. They had powers and they, they learned how to use them effectively, but they didn't, you know, they didn't gain new powers uh, over time, you know, with, with a few exceptions. Uh, one special exception was, uh, uh, in the case, uh, and this was one of the characters that was essentially considered one of the weakest characters, and that was Iceman. Uh, because yeah. in the uh, New Mutants, um, it, it, he's still considered to be a kid, uh, a teen, and uh, something happens and Xavier hands all the New Mutants off to Emma Frost, you know, who is, you know, arguably a super villainess, but on the yeah. other hand, she the also... queen from the Hellfire Club, yeah. Exactly. Yeah. She, she also runs her own school, and she's very yeah. devoted to the welfare of her students. 
So he thought she would be safe enough to hand his kids off to her for a while. Okay, so they go marching in, and of course, Iceman being the, well, I'm actually an X-Men, and you know, I don't need this kind of training, and you know, I'm just here, you know, to, to help you babysit the other one. She says, oh, really? You've got nothing to learn from me. Okay, mind control. <laughs> she basically takes over his mind, she inhabits his body, and then she starts exhi exhibiting his powers in ways that were never seen before. Like, he, he starts producing uh, uh, spines of ice from his body, you know, taking out enemies and things like that around him. And, and he does all this stuff with, with his, his ice that he had never seen before in the comics. And in which case, at the end of it, she drops, you know, drops out of his mind and says, yeah, I, I think you know everything there is to know about your powers, don't you? And then walks away, and he's like, "I don't know anything about my powers. What the hell just happened?" So yeah, yeah. The you you know with low level characters where you know and, and it works because this, you know when we talk about games because people all you know you know are more likely to go and want to enhance their powers with new powers or variations of powers. Uh, you know when they're low level than when they're upper level because when they're upper level it's always you know. Scale versus scale. Okay, I'm. I I have to spend all my enhancement points, my you know, advance points, into more dice for my you know my 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 uh, mega blast, or I have to raise my shield to absorb that mega blast. Okay, there there there. It's always a, a, a arms race of 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 primary you know, uh, hard-hitting powers or defenses because, you know, that's what they're they're going to be dealing with, you know. Um, and you don't get that kind of like, oh, this is a really cool power over here. I, I think I'd like that because it it matches what I do, but it's not exactly the same thing. I, I discovered a new aspect to my powers. You know, there's, you don't get yeah, the, I have, there's more I demand have for variety at the lower levels. Yeah. Oh, no, I have that in my Saturday game with the Pulp Superheroes. Jennifer King, my one gamer from New Orleans, who she's playing a Roma and the name she chose. And, of course, it's fitting for 1924. The slur gypsy is used back then. It's 1924. You didn't. Everyone thought that's what they were called. It was OK. Now it's a slur and you don't say it. Yeah, the, I, I always really thought that way. Yeah. Yeah, was the Dark Gypsy, because she's playing on that. Anyways, it's, oh, yes, I have mysterious powers. No, she's actually a low-level Psy. She's got the thought transference. She has the evil eye, which, you know, you look at somebody, if you make eye contact with them, they get basically like, it's like bestow curse. And so, yeah, she's just got all these little mental tweaks of just low-level Psy ability. In the end, she does want to progress to where she's like the shadow, where just, you know, uh, psychic invisibility. Right. But it's building up and okay. Clouding men's minds so they cannot see her. Yes. Which is, which is really the best version of invisibility. Yeah. And, but yeah, it's basically that's her power because let's see, we have... Z's playing the vampire. His his powers are static. I don't think they're going to grow in level. 
but we have Fur playing the Harlem gangster. We have Jeff playing the Chicago gangster, the stool pigeon, who fled to New York because he knew he couldn't be protected in Chicago. Colleen is playing Ill- illegitimate daughter of Holmes, so it's like, yeah, analytical mind. And then Jen is playing this this Roma gypsy character with low-level Psy, and then Z's playing the vampire. And so with those three, the two gangsters and the socialite detective, they're just going to be enhancing skills and talents. It's with Jen's character that's going to be, okay, we got to find new ways to tweak these psychic abilities as you gain in power. Which ones do you want that are going to fit but still are going to be within this motif of, yes, I, you know, I, I, I bestow a curse upon you. You are cursed, you know. And so that's the thing I'm doing with Jen is, yeah, there's a slow power creep, but it's still going to be within a defined theme. She's not all of a, all of a sudden going to sprout out and have like, oh, I can, excuse me, control you like a puppet. Because that's not in way with the character. It's going to be little things. She's a support character. Other than having a bunch of knives on her, she's a support character. Her powers are to maybe throw an enemy off. So first character, Big G, can, you know, punch his lights out, you know. But yeah, the, the whole thing with the powers that you mentioned, it's, yeah, you're just going to find new ways to do the same thing. You're not going to branch off and have like, Oh, I have electrical control and now I can shoot fire and that no, 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 that that's beyond the scope of a street level campaign. Your powers, if any, are gonna be within a tight framework of okay, it's variations on this theme. Okay, there's telekinesis, maybe low level. Over here is tele- telepathy, and you might have precognition. And for like Jen's character, she might be doing it through cards where you know the tarot deck or whatever. So, yeah, you're not going to have wild, varied abilities like that. And I think the Dark Gypsy, the character Jen King is playing, would be the best example. And just the new variations, and and she's training herself. It's not like there's somebody, we have a, a psychic there over it. Well, Z, I guess. But his powers are kind of come from a different source, being a vamp, a 200-year-old vampire, so... Yeah, but it, it the whole thing with the powers is you're not going to have wild and varied abilities. They're always within a tight concept. Where, like Daredevil, he has the heightened senses, but he also has the 360 awareness. The blind sight or blind sense, like they would call it an OGL. But it's all powers due to his senses being augmented at the cost of his sight. So. Yeah, it would be kind of a, it, it, it's just you don't go shooting off in directions all these different new abilities. They're always something relatively from a core ability. So, um, trying to think of what other characters, because I don't think the Shadow had any other powers other than the Psychic Invisibility, did he? I don't, I don't remember any. Yeah, I think it's just he clouded men's minds and just, you know, had the the 245 pistols. That's it. He might have had his, yeah, and he had his, you know, web of informants and everything. But other than that, no, he didn't have any other 
Yeah, because I was one to say that I, I thought he could like read minds, but I think that was more of just he could sneak in and listen in on your conversations and he would know what you were up to. So, yeah. Oh, no. The, the roommate has been going through reading the old shabble novels. You know, he finds them, you know, public domain and <laughs> downloads them and reads them. And it, yeah, the, the clouding men's minds is the only thing that I know of. I don't remember the shadow ever having any of the, I never read the novels. It was pretty much, you know, pop culture knowledge. And then the Alec Baldwin movie, I don't remember any other abilities that Lamont Cranston had. So, but if he did, it would somehow sprout from the psychic abilities he learned while he was in Asia. You know. That also makes me want to think of, uh, of dark man. Who oh God, I love that movie. He oh, really nice. didn't. He didn't have any real powers other than uh, his yeah. his his nerves were his his nerve endings were fried, so he didn't real really feel pain the same way. And then the adrenaline the boost, the adrenaline boosted strength. Yeah. yeah. Otherwise, it was just his skill with with disguise and creating disguise and chemistry. Yeah, the the ninety nine minute skin. Yeah. 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 But he would be considered a street level superhero where. Yeah, he could, you know, with the, 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 the boosted, you know, the adrenaline, you know, the, the, the adrenaline strength and the, the lack of pain reception. Yeah, he could take out three, four, five guys at one time. And, but yeah, he was still just a person. There was no real, he just was really good tactically. He used what he knew to its best advantage. Yeah. Yeah, I'm yeah, I'm not recalling any other things that Peyton Westlake had. Yeah. And of course I only saw the first one with Liam Neeson. I know that there were two others that went direct to video, and I think that was um the guy who played Imhotep in the mummy movies, Arnold Vosloo took over the role. I remember seeing the second one and it was forgettable. Yeah, they had they brought back um Larry Drake from LA Laws, Robert yeah. Durant. Yeah. They brought him back. But yeah, other than that, yeah, and I don't even—I don't even have any inkling of the third one. I remember. I think it was Jeff Faye. Um, you know, he was Jeff Faye. He was a, um, a lawnmower man. Him, and so Westlake was there posing as the guy who Jeff Faye he played, and he was playing. All of a sudden, oh crap! I got to play, you know, piano with this guy's daughter. And I got to make sure she doesn't realize, oh, this is a dad. So he plays chopsticks and she manages to go along. Daddy's joking. Yeah, that's all I remember of the third film of Dark Man. But yeah, even then it was. Shot nerves, adrenaline strength and chemist ability. That's it. Yeah. Uh, tech tech skills. Yeah. Yeah. I, for, I can't believe I forgot Dark Man as a street level superhero. God, yeah, that was. Yeah, because nah, he pretty much you. he only ever takes out mob bosses. Yeah, yeah, and specifically the one that effed him over. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Larry Drake, who played that role very well, Robert G. Durant. Oh, yeah. yeah, he was. Oh yeah, oh yeah. He, yeah, he but yeah, that's very well with villains. He, I, he was also Doctor Giggles, wasn't he? Yeah, that that was the. I was trying to remember it because I'm not into horror. I'm. He played some horror role. I remember seeing the poster, Doctor Giggles. That was it. Thank you. Also, with with a street level team, street level heroes, they often have to work together because they have such tightly focused abilities. 
And learning to maximize those bills in a team is key to success and surviving. Like I said, with my campaign, I've got the two mobsters. Furs playing Big G in 1920s Harlem. Well, on the surface, he's an entrepreneur. But if you know, you know he's got all the underground stuff going on. He's got the sword cane, the, the revolver, and, you know, he's got the style going. Then you got Jeff DeRef, Pixie's husband, playing Johnny Knuckles DeLucci. And, of course, they all have to do the superhero things because this, the premise is relatively mid-level, street-level hero is realizing crime's getting out of hand, and all of his friends he wanted to join in a team all got gunned down as if the villains knew exactly where they lived. Ooh. Gets all these new street-level heroes to become the new Sentinels of Justice that he wanted to make. And so Jeff's character is the Chicago mobster who went stoolie and, yeah, I got to get out of here. You know, I'm going to the Big Apple where, you know, you know, I can hide in the, in the, the, ste- the concrete jungle and not have those mooks from Chicago, you know, come and get me. And so, yeah, it's, again other than a really hard punch that can send people flying back, Knuckles is still a normal guy. And even with both Big G and Knuckles being, well, let, let's use their hero names. Jeff chose Tony the Fist because he punches. Fur, and she does this with a smile on his face, Black Thunder. I'm like, okay, I don't know if that's a pulp name, but we're going to go with it just for the laugh value. <laughs> so... Black Thunder and Tony the Fist, both are mobster-type characters, but they're still just normal people. Big G just has his particular style that he does things. Tony the Fist is the bare-knuckle brawler. He'll just go in and start, if he don't have a machine gun, he'll just start swinging. And so they've had to learn to work together because, along with the Dark Gypsy, Jen's character... Diamond Lil, Goth Bunny's character, the illegitimate daughter of Sherlock Holmes. As I said, this is a Walt Newton universe, so Holmes is real. Um, and then Breakman Z is playing El Professor, or Alexander Kane, a 200-year-old vampire from London, who is now in New York City because he's looking for new things to hunt down. and Because he's a, a monster who hunts the monsters. So he's a bit of the supernatural element. So they've had to learn and let's see, I've been running this campaign in game time. They've only been together maybe a week, even though we're like five or six sessions in. So, or no, a couple of weeks now. So they've had to learn to work together using their somewhat limited focus abilities, because if not, they're going to die. And thankfully they've got, you know, the mad scientist that's helping my NPC here. Oh yeah, I've made this new device. And, you know, but still they're using their natural talent skills and the occasional weird science thing. Because, you know, Paul, the, uh, the weird sign, you know, the Jacob's Ladder Electrical you know, in the laboratory and all that crap. But, yeah, they've had to learn to use teamwork and their abilities. Like the Dark Gypsy will sit there getting somebody's head and mess with them. And then El Professor will turn into mist form, come up behind the guy and run rapier and dagger through him. So, yeah, they've had to learn to work together just to survive. Because they're dealing with the mob, they're dealing with the Yakuza, they're dealing with the fungi cult, they're dealing with the 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 slowly growing Nazi party coming to America. It's 1924 based. So they're having to deal with all these thugs and groups of thugs 
and it's just the five of them. So they've, I've, I've kind of had to push learning teamwork on them. And so far they're doing pretty good and they're each using their own unique abilities and tactics and whatnot to, and each playing to their strengths. Colleen knows that Diamond Lil is not a frontline fighter, so she'll be the one trying to get the, the, the civilians out the door. Meanwhile, there's Big G and uh, Tony the Fist with Tommy guns, or what? what's the term that I found for it in Jeff Love? The Chicago typewriter. And, yeah, oh, yeah, no, he oh, laughed really? his ass off. Either. Yeah, that's a, that was a term for a Tommy gun back in the day. The Chicago Never typewriter. Never heard of that before. Oh, yeah, yeah. And I'm and Jeff, Jeff just fell over laughing. I'm like, look it up. <laughs> just, <laughs> yeah, I got me. I got my Tommy gun. I'm good here. Don't you see? Yeah. You know, and he's, he's doing the whole. Yeah, I'll tell you what there. You know, and just so they I've had to impress teamwork upon them because they have such limited abilities. And they're, you know, still learning. And a lot of them are not really heroes, but they've been thrust into the world as a whole. Okay, it, I'm I'm using bad people to help fight bad people because you know how they work. And this especially works for El Professor, Big G, and Knuckles because they're all less than, well, less than, you know, kind people. They've all done bad things in the day. So, it, but yeah, the teamwork thing is important. You're not going to have the one standout person. Right. It's not like Doc Savage where you have the one and then he's got his Fantastic Five who each are experts in a singular field. Right. Yeah, the the yeah. whole I always felt in the X-Men they really weren't, you know, um, you know, they, they really weren't epic superheroes except for a couple of them. Um until oh. later on when they get, you know occasionally they would get those kinds of abilities. But what they had was this really strong integration. So the sum of the uh, uh, was greater than the individual parts. So you know, you have Wolverine getting hurled by uh, by Colossus. Colossus. So the fastball it, special, yep. The yep. fastball special, you know. And here you have this guy who who basically is great close quarter, but you know what's he going to do against a flying foe? Well, Colossus will hurl him up there, and uh, he will slice and dice. You know, yes. likewise, let, let me get you, let me get you to him, Tovarish, and not you can take care of the problem. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Right. You know, um, likewise, um, let me see, uh, some other synergies, um, uh, I'm trying to think here. Um, that was, that's the major one. Uh, I mean, yeah, yeah. But I mean, they, Scott they Summers their... is, is the, is the really heavy hitter of the group because of his, his eye beams. Um, well, also, he knows geometry very well, so he's learned to bounce those beams off of, like, nine objects and hit somebody from behind. Yeah. Exactly. Um, exactly. Yeah, he, um, he's... Yeah, because, like, Kitty Pride, her phasing ability is great for getting behind people and such, but she, you know, she doesn't really have, you know, a, 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 tremend, a tremendous abilities, you know. Yeah, the, the only time she can be offensive is, let's say, because the phasing ability disrupts electronics. She'll just right. phase right through a sentinel's leg and just short it out and just, just falls, you know, down in space. Right. But yeah, Kitty, even the support personnel were taught to use their powers in a way that would be beneficial to other people. Right. And in time, Kitty Pride learned, okay, hold my hand, don't let go, and phase them through a wall, and then they could, you know, come up and, you know, like, phase Wolverine, bring her with her, and then, okay, yeah, he's right there, and Snick, 
you know, die, bub, you know. Yeah, but if you, yeah, like, so, if, she, if she was to go over and grab some guy, you know, a, a bad guy, and just, you know, do a, you know, do some kind of martial arts flip through a wall, now the bad guy's on the other side of a wall, they've got to break that wall down before they can be, they can, they can rejoin the fray. That gives a tactical yeah. advantage to your side in the meantime. And I think mm-hmm. Kenny Pride yeah. was taught martial arts throughout the course of her time in the X-Men, even if it was just Aikido and Judo, you know, pure defensive and flips. And yeah, yeah. again, she was not a frontline fighter. She wasn't meant to be. But, she, also but unfortunately, she ended up being a frontline fighter because wherever the X, X-Men went, that was the front line. Yeah, yeah. And even in her time in, um, oh God, the British team. Excalibur, as yeah. she was recovering, yeah. They were she Canadian, still... by the way. No, Excalibur, that was British. No. You're thinking Alpha Flight. I am thinking Alpha Flight. Okay, never mind. Yeah, um, Excalibur, it was Captain Britain, Megan, the Phoenix from the alternate future, Rachel Summers. Right. Nightcrawler and Shadowcat with Lockheed. Yeah, that was that. Okay, okay. And even then, Kitty Pride was, it was after she, I think it was injured where the X-Men ended up in Australia. So she was fighting just to stay corporeal. Mm-hmm. Her powers, she had been injured so bad where she'd be like every so often phasing through the hospital bed that she was resting in. So she was trying to retrain to keep her, her corporealness. Mm. And so I think new powers and abilities and whatnot came through as she was retraining just to stay solid. So, okay. Yeah. But yeah, Kitty pride. Yeah. It was just variations and tactics that she could do while phase, as I said, right. disrupting electronics and right. But she's a, a, an example like Spider-Man where you've got a street level superhero that's been thrust into situations because of their association with these more powerful yeah, superheroes. Yeah. Or like yeah. guilt by association. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> okay. So anyway, so when I talk, when we set up this a scenario or what, you know, the, the plan for this podcast, okay. We wanted to say things like, okay, so we create these, these, these street level superheroes and you know, what are the rules we're going to use? And like, so we are doing a campaign. And one of the rules I said was one power. Okay. Only one power. You don't get multiple powers though. You can have variations on that one power, okay? yeah. which is, you know, what I was talking about. So, uh, and the, one of the main reasons I, w- I wanted that, uh, was because, um, I seen so many times people cherry picking powers to min max them together. So yep. instead of that synergy between characters so that they, they basically work their powers off each other, you do that yourself. Okay. So you either, you have like the big brick who also fires his massive beam, or you've got the, uh, the guy who's like the super shooter, but he can make his bullets immaterial for a period so he can shoot through walls, stuff like that. And I said, okay, yeah. let's, let's not do that. Let's instead just have one power and, and, uh, and, and let that power be the, the power that you use. Okay. You know, uh, essentially. Okay. So, um, and, and so of course it, it's going to immediately raise the question for you, Jonathan, uh, what, what is your, what is what is your favorite power? If you were going to create a character, you know, I mean, uh, granted, you might want to create something different because you've already played the character. But I'm just saying, if you've never played a superhero game before, 
and you wanted to play a super who had one power, what would that power be? Um. Oh, see, that's the thing. I go if I had to limit myself to one power, I might go uh, like the the bullseye uh, route or the Hawkeye route, and it'd be like you know inhuman accuracy. Uh, simply because it, there is an inherent versatility in that, and but it is still very limited to, you know, you got to throw or, or shoot something, but depending on what you're throwing or shooting, you can get a lot of different uh, tasks accomplished. Oh, dear God, I just realized another good street-level superhero show that was out. Sci-Fi Channel Alphas. Oh, there's actually quite a bit more than that. I mean, there's a huge list of them. Well, because yes. you, you were yeah. talking, Jonathan, you're talking about this enhanced accuracy. And if you've seen Alpha, it had David Strathairn and Yalik Moba from uh, New York Undercover. And there was a young guy, he tried to be a Major League Baseball player, and he was one of these Alphas. When he concentrated, he had perfect accuracy. Mm-hmm. And Strathairn. Uh, Lee, and I forget the last name, his first the character's first name was Lee, he was a psychiatrist, and he dealt with these alphas. The FBI would come in and say, okay, yeah, we got an alpha problem. You and the people you have, can you help us out? And of course, you're civilian consultants, you know. But he had this, this kinesthetic sense where Dr. Lee was talking to, I think his name was Kendall. Yeah, you're standing 15 feet away. Put the quarter in the slot to get the pop. And this guy just, he, you know, he's flipping and flipping and quarters bouncing all over. He goes, settle down, quit getting angry, concentrate. And from 15 feet away, he flips the quarter, like, you know, like you're flipping heads or tails, flips it, it goes right in the slot in the pop machine. He had that, that's that increased accuracy. Mm-hmm. But these guys were all street level superheroes. Yeah, they had abilities. The Yalik Mo, uh, Malik Yoba, he played an FBI agent who, when he'd get his heart going, he got super strength. And grandly later in the series, he had a heart attack and he had to watch what he was doing because he was constantly amping himself up to get straight. But when he did, he could, you know, punch a hole in a wall and it was like a brick wall. Right. right. But yeah, it, the, the street level superhero thing. Yeah. That, that enhanced agility. Oh no, you could use that for a lot of stuff. I mean, look at bullseye in the daredevil series season three or even Colin Farrell's version in the daredevil movie with a uh, Affleck. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that same thing where you could sit there like, like kind of like Cyclops' eye beams. You could sit there and bounce, or who is it? Oh God, Deadshot from Suicide Squad, Will Smith's character. Oh yeah, yeah. bouncing, uh, you know, five and you know takes out the mobster being led into the courthouse. Yeah. Oh no, that could do some serious damage if you just had that increased accuracy. Mm-hmm. And it was that bit like Hawkeye in Age of Ultron where Tony starts trying to throw the things. Hawkeye does three, and they all hit center, and Tony, you know. Downey looks over at Renner and Hawkeye just shrugs like, hey, you know. <laughs> yeah. How many errors did you bring? 20. Yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. How many people did you kill? 20. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah. It only takes one. Yeah. 25. What? How did you? Don't don't worry about it. Yeah, don't do the math. Just go with it. Yeah. Yeah. 25. Yeah. Because I, I, you do the Legolas, you know, shoot the guy, you know, pull 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 the arrow out, stab a couple guys, and then shoot another guy. 
and all I hear is John Reese Davies yelling, that only counts as one. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Gimli. Yeah. But yeah, you had people standing up in the theater when that happened saying, yes, that's what my character does in D&D and nobody believes me. <laughs> no, 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 no. Bruce, you know what, what, what they were saying in those movies when Legolas hit that shot. They would say, yeah, that's what I'm talking about. Uh, uh, one show a week, Tuesday nights, Dementor Radio, folks. Let, tune in. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Quali- quality entertainment. Yeah. All right. All right. Well, you know, <laughs> we, 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 we picked on Jonathan. It's your turn, Travis. Okay. Well, let's see. I mean, it, it's superpower. And I mean, if we're talking street lover, just any superpower, because I always go with telekinesis. Just the ability to move things. And even if it's, you know, like, I mean, and we're not talking things like, oh, I can lift a battleship, but even just pulling a machine gun toward, you know, the cool stuff like in Star Wars where you reach out and the lightsaber hits your hand. The ability to move something even 25 pounds. Still, just the fact, you know, if I'm sitting there and, you know, I'm, you know, back to the wall, I'm going to use that and grab something out of a weapon. Mm-hmm. So just telekinesis or what, what did I say when I was at the old job? Yes, because I could pull parts from across the warehouse. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, I'd have to say telekinesis. Okay. Yeah. All right. You? Well, me, it's kind of hard uh, because I always want to go with flight. Okay. I mean, in real life, it would be healing because uh, I just can't, couldn't imagine ever being happy with my life knowing that there were people with cancer I could have cured if I had cho- if I, if I had just chosen healing. But... Uh, you know, in this imaginary world of superheroes where th- these sorts of problems are taken care of, uh, you know, usually it's flight is, is, is because just flying is just so cool. Um, but uh, when I actually created characters uh, for various games, when I had to basically pick one type of character, uh, I would say my favorite character was Spaghetti Man the Living Linguini. And he was essentially this guy that was a, a, um, a Italian restaurant delivery guy, and he ran into a uh, gypsy, you know, who curses him to be w- to be what's in the in in, in the vehicle in, in the delivery <sighs> van. So oh. he turns into this great big mass of spaghetti. Okay, except that he's actually you know all one strand. So and he can has complete control over it. So he literally, he basically, you know, his body is just this mass and he can manipulate it any way he wants to. He can stretch it out and grab onto the top of a roof and pull himself up. Or he can wrap it around a bad guy and, um, you know, uh, and, 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 and entangle him and, and the bad guy can't move. Or he can, um, you know, uh, uh, reach over and, and, as you say, knock that um uh, that automatic machine gun a different direction, you know, or 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 or, or tweak the uh, the angle on that camera. So in a way, it was kind of like telekinesis, but it was, but you know, it was it was himself. It was his own body doing it. And, so more and elasticity, kind of like Mister Fantastic, kind of super stretching ability. Okay, with you know, but it also allowed him to do like you know. Uh, uh, halftime shows for like uh, worldwide wrestling, where he would come out and he would say, "You know, I'm a 90 pound weakling." This little like literally, 
<laughs> this body that's like a couple of strands, okay? Everything's pulled down on the bottom. But using, you know, uh, uh, Vic Fontaine's, uh, you know, super, you know, uh, protein powder, you know, I, you know, have become a true, you know, manly man. And as he's doing that, he's wrapping more and more strands around his arm. And so finally, he's still a stick guy, but he's got this humongous, you know, uh, uh, bicep, you know, and hand on the other thing. Holding up the bottle of of of, of Victor's uh, uh, protein yeah. powder, yeah. So <laughs> stuff like that, yeah. It's just you know, I think uh, you have mentioned this character back in the day. I yeah, it's yeah. sounding familiar. Yeah, it works really well, you know, in games where you don't get to target stuff because if you actually could like cut, you know, one of if you cut like one of his strands, you basically cut him in half. So yeah. you know, so when I played it using the champions rules, you know, I always made sure I gave uh, lots and lots of body to those strands so that uh, you couldn't just go and take a strand and snip. Yeah. So yeah. But uh, yeah, I mean that that to me, you know, the ability to stretch and 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 mutate and and warp, I always thought that was a really cool power. Oh, Mister Socially... Fantastic, Plastic Man type. Okay, yeah, 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 yeah. Except n- nowhere near as cool as, as I mean, I mean, but I I never saw. I mean, his this character was not attractive. I mean, he's yeah. he's obviously a caricature of a person because he's literally made out of spaghetti. This is Bruce Sheffer saying. There are a million, million worlds out there, so go explore them. And this is Trav. There's a reason why it's called gaming. It's for having fun. Gaming on the Frontier podcast is wholly owned by its hosts. It is released under the Creative Commons 3.0 license. No commercial reproduction and any use of any element of the podcast must be attributed to the Gaming on the Frontier podcast. Hi, this is Trav from the Travcast. Listen to me Tuesday nights, 8 to 10 p.m. Eastern on listen.dementiaradio.org colon 8027.